Welcome to Fireside Nets, brought to you by Empire Sports Media. We are your hosts. I'm Spen. He's Pete. And we are your number one spot for everything Brooklyn Nets basketball. Hashtag Nets World. Hashtag Mikhail Bridges knocking shots down. Hashtag Ben 10 will always be my friend. New intro. Pete, what did we think? I love it. I love it. Ben 10 will always be my friend. He will. He will. I mean that. Uh, we, we do have a guest today. If you are in the elite community that is the Nets Twitter universe, you will absolutely know who this man is. We welcome Jay from BK onto the show for the first time ever. Jay, what's happening, man? How are you living? What's up, everybody? I'm great. Yourself? I cannot complain. It's it's Monday night. I'm a little bit tired, but that's just because my wife cooked a nice meal. I ate. I worked. Normal Monday, it's time for podcasting. I gotta suck it up. Pete, how are you doing? Let's go. We got Jay from BK with the doing the face reveal today. You surprised me with that, <laughs> but I'm I'm hyped. We were off camera. I got all hyped for a second. I'm ready to go. Let's start this shit up. All right, let's do it. So let's get to our first segment. Mikhail Bridges was recently interviewed on Podcast P with Paul George. For those who don't know, that that's Paul George's podcast. Uh, and just some some really cool sound bites. He talked about how him and his teammates have Ben Simmons back. He was adamant about that, that they're going to support him and give him everything he needs this season while he's a Brooklyn Net. He talked about how he would rather get a triple-double than, than score 30 a night because he wants to see his teammates shine. He, uh, he even talked about before he got traded to the Brooklyn Nets, he joked with the Nets staff, during the game that Phoenix played Brooklyn on how he would see them soon. And because, you know, the, the rumors were swirling around KD getting traded. And uh, and he just seems like the most down-to-earth guy in the world from a likability standpoint. He is a superstar. But, Jay, what is the most we can really expect from Mikhail Bridges on the court? Because, obviously, everybody loves him off the court. We, we can expect him to average – at least five more points moving forward, which which I, I think I think he can be a solid twenty five point scorer for us. But I, I like the way he talked about the other intangibles and him him bringing other parts to the game. We know he's coming with the defense. Thankfully, defense travels, but also wanting to to get rebounds, wanting to get assists, and triple double means you're you're active every second that you're on the floor on both ends because you can grab rebounds on both ends assist means you have to be paying attention to the game and sometimes he knows as the number one option currently they're going to be sending him doubles so you have to find that open man hopefully in in everything because and let me add this i don't know where the conversation will go because we don't have three-point shooters anymore like we did last year Arguably, our top five three-point shooters are not on the team anymore. So him finding someone out to double will get his assist numbers up. And it could be someone who's cutting to the rim. It doesn't always have to be a jump shot. That's what we've lacked for a long time, cutters. And he's a cutter. So someone cutting to the rim. You know, but but just seeing him as a, as a more well-rounded player that he hasn't been able to show, that's that's what I'm really looking forward to. Pete, you are on mute. 
I'm a pro at this. <laughs> All right. I was going to ask you, he's our best defender, right? But now that he's going to be getting more of the scoring load and whatnot, do you still see him guarding the other team's best player? Sure, why not? Think about all and the I, games that he's played, right? All the minutes he's put up. Are you nervous about him still being the quote-unquote Iron Man for a whole 82-game season when he is going to be doubled now? He is going to be the focus of the other team's defense? I'm not. And and I'm not because I, I think I think more my mindset is more old school basketball, not this new, new age uh Greg Popovich led resting basketball. My thought process is, and I'm not, you know, people hear what they want to hear. I'm not comparing him to Kobe Bryant, but when Kobe was playing, Kobe was clearly the offensive force. And he was the best defender on the Lakers also. So he was getting triple teamed and it didn't stop him from still giving full force on defense to bring it. And I'm not comparing him to LeBron. LeBron James with the Miami heat was arguably the best player on the Miami heat. Dwayne Wade. Sometimes LeBron was the best player. LeBron was committed to defense. Also, even though he was getting doubled, you, you can't look my expectation is that he's 26 now about to be 27. So he's in his prime. If he can't give full effort on both sides of the court, what are we doing here? Mm. I, I think that's a fair point. And Pete, you, you said that Mikhail Bridges is our best defender. Are we sure it's not Nick Claxton? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> who is it? Is it Mikhail or Nick Claxton? You know what I mean. I on the perimeter, I, I gotta, I gotta spell on it the out. Perimeter, you gotta spell it out. We got, we got some pretty good defenders on this team. He knows what I meant. Jay, but before we before we move on from this McHale interview, I just wanted to know what was uh, what did you think was the most meaningful soundbite that you saw from this interview? For me, him yeah. talking him talking about Cam Thomas because look, the coaches would not admit to you, the front office would not admit to you. When you hear other NBA players talk about Cam Thomas they have a certain level of respect for his offensive ability. You've never heard any of them talk about what well, he needs to learn how to pass. Because players don't, don't look at the game like that. And so for, was it game four? I think it was game four, where they brought, he's no longer on the team. They brought Patty Mills in the game before they brought Cam Thomas in the game. You, Patty plays no defense. He wasn't hitting any shots. So you can't say he was putting the game for his gravity. He had no gravity. He was a terrible shooter at this point. He never passed the ball. So there was no reason for him to be put in the game. So clearly it was something personal. So to hear, to hear Mikel talk about Cam and, and he was telling you about his preparation and how hard he works, that's, that's subtly saying, look, the guy has earned playing time. Like, like, what are we doing? He also, and, and I'll tie in something else that he said. He talked about his desire to win in that interview. If Cam Thomas gives us an opportunity to score more points, which is what we struggled with in the Philly series, why, why wouldn't he play? So I think him binging up Cam, who everybody knows puts in a lot of work, I think that that was a vet push play. Like, yo, this young kid, he's earned he's earned his minutes. Stop playing with him. 
talking about how, you know, he says that he wants to win and whatnot. What do you think about the offseason so far? Are you surprised by uh, the direction Sean Marks went? And do you think, do you, do you believe Mikel Bridges saying that the roster is almost set? Do you think there's going to be an additional move or two? I know during training camp, they like to add maybe one or two more guys that wind up making the team, but what's your thoughts on that? I like the company answer by Brooklyn Bridges. Do I think it's set? No. Hopefully, Sean is looking for the right opportunity if if the Dame trade goes through to potentially get in on that. Uh, when the Quitter James trade to the Clippers goes through, potentially get in on that. You leave yourself open with, with options. Based on Sean Marks' own words, where he said we were going to get bigger, and I'm not listening to anybody who says Noah Clowney fits our getting bigger part, especially when they said he'll probably spend the year in Long Island. So we're not getting bigger if he's not on the team. If he's away from the team, we have not gotten bigger. So with Sean Marks' own words, we're going to get bigger, we're going to get nastier, and we're going to get Brooklyn grit. Those are his own words. Like, at a certain point, we have to hold people to their words and what they say. Like, Spen just talked about his wife. Spen, you already know, as a husband. If you tell your wife you're going to do something, <laughs> she's going to hold you to what you said you're going to do. So that, I, I don't look at the team as it's complete because according to the general manager, the, the, he did not do what he said he would do. So I don't look like, I don't look at it as, as it's complete. And let me add this. I had a conversation back in June. Uh, Joe was traded first. Joey was traded first. And then Patty was traded a couple days later. I was completely shocked and I spoke to a few different people on the team and I said, why did they trade Joey and Patty? Right. And it was basically salary dumps what they did. And this is what I was told. Now I, I did not want to take it for face value because we have two huge trade exceptions. We have the Joey one, which is 19 point something, almost 20 million. 19.9. Yep. Okay, so that that's that can be a phenomenal player, right? And we have the the other one. Is it seventeen? I think it's seventeen point something. I'm not sure on the second one, but uh, it's somewhere. It's somewhere. I'm pretty sure between seventeen and eighteen. You're correct. So it's 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 another player who would definitely be in the rotation. So I look at those two, and a lot of us fans have said maybe they'll use one those to trade. The conversation I had about why they traded Joey and Patty, almost verbatim, I was told they have to pay for Cam Johnson. They're using that money to pay for Cam Johnson. Now, I've not looked up the salaries, and you know, Nets Twitter went crazy about uh, his salary and what it would be, but Joey and Patty together combined for about $26 million for this coming season. Cam Johnson's salary for this season, I don't think is $26 million. So basically, they got rid of those two, as I was told, to pay Cam Johnson. They've not added any salary, which I have a problem with that because everybody else that they've announced has been a, a minimum guy. Basley's minimum, Lonnie Walker the fourth is minimum, and Dennis Smith Jr. Those three are minimums. So... And Shams, I, I don't like the wording that Shams said that Dennis Smith Jr. was our number one target. Something He said something like that. You can't be serious when you say things like that. 
you've not added salary. And look, I'll argue with anybody. Don't tell me that you've added talent either. Are these guys talented? Yes. But you're asking people to play above their means to fill in blanks. We still don't have that, that big, nasty Brooklyn grit guy that Sean promised we were going to get. And, and I like what, what Coach Vaughn did because he said it the day before in the presser that that's what he wanted. And then Sean said the next day that he was going to get that because that's what the coach wanted. Until you fulfilled that, and Noah Clowney, again, does not fulfill that. Until you fulfill that, I can't believe that the team is set the way that it is. If you're waiting to do a move beginning of August, mid-August, fine. Training camp starts at the end of September. Cool. But there should be at least another one or two moves to be made for roster pieces. Like, like excuse me, guys who will make the rotation, I mean. Not just guys who will be invited to training camp. Mm. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Jay, do you see Marks potentially going into the season with this team and making an in-season move for one of those Brooklyn grit guys you were talking about? Do you think he's, he's doing that in his back pocket? Or do you think it's more of a waiting game to see where, where the cards fall with this Damian Lillard trade? I think it's a combination. And I, 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 it, it, it's whichever makes the most sense at the time that it happens. Like, I don't, I don't see Portland letting this drag on into the season as they say they would. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense for them to do that. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. Dame has supposedly you know, drawing his line in the sand. But at a, at a certain point, I would think if, if they're, because it seems that with, with the statement about trading Joey and Patty being a money thing for Cam Johnson, if they're so serious about staying underneath the second tax, I got it. That means you're going to have to trade somebody. And, and the three guys who top that list of being traded are going to be Spencer Dinwiddie because he makes $20 million. Dorian Finney-Smith, I think he makes about 12, and Royce O'Neal. And he makes, I think he's 9.5 guaranteed, something like that, somewhere around 10. Yep, you got it. So it would be those guys. I think Doe would be the last person to be traded out of those three. That doesn't mean that he wouldn't be traded because he arguably has the best contract, even though the other two are expiring contracts. But look... I, I would agree with it if you're getting us, again, rotation pieces, and if it's a Brooklyn Grit guy. There are not many guys who fit that big Brooklyn Grit nasty type player. One guy who fits that, and it's no getting around it, they're a team who's up against the tax. Maybe they'll want to sell low. Maybe they'll just want a draft pick. I'm not married to any of these draft picks, personally. A guy who fits that is Bobby Portis. Oh. And Bobby Portis immediately comes to the team and starts. Yeah, easy. Uh, he's the four, right? You move Cam to the three, Mikhail yep. becomes the two, and then you start yep. Dinwiddie or, or Ben, whoever. Yeah, I'm with that. So they're going into training camp, right? Let's say Spencer Dinwiddie is one of the guys that maybe gets traded, or, or are we looking at Ben being the point guard and maybe offloading Spencer later? Or is it just, you know, Ben Simmons is coming back from an injury. He's going to come off the bench. It's known. But then what happens if Spencer Dinwiddie does go down or he is trading in the middle of the year? Are you comfortable with the Dennis Smith Jr. taking over major minutes? No. 
I'm, I'm not. But I've been advocating that the two positions that we need the most, even including signing, signing Dennis Smith Jr., was point guard and power forward. Or, or, or a stretch big. Someone, not necessarily someone to take over for, for Clax, but a stretch big, preferably someone who could play next to Clax. That, that's Bo- that's Bobby Portis. No, you're yes. good. You're good. Yeah, that that's Bobby Portis in a nutshell. I mean, it, it's so funny. You think about the Nets' power forwards, like since Kenyon Martin, we haven't really had any good ones. We, we you know, you, you had Chris Humphreys. He was a joke. You had uh, KG way past his prime. You have not had a real four on this team. Kevin Durant played the four while he was here. Kevin Durant's not a four. That was a huge problem for the Nets is they lean so heavily on Claxton, on Andre Drummond, and, and on uh, DeAndre Jordan and freaking LaMarcus Aldridge. And you had these, these bigs, and they didn't have any help in the front court, on the boards, nothing. So Bobby Portis is a guy to me, Jay. I, I've just – he would be perfect. Like, like any sort you know, any sort of stretch four who can shoot the three, which is why I looked at the Noah Clowney signing, and like he's not really a stretch four. He's not really anything. He's sort of a, a project. So I agree with you in the sense that they did not get a big – um, we don't, we don't know what Daron Sharp's going to be. He's still a question mark. You know, you know, what was the biggest problem with the Brooklyn Nets in the postseason? It was that we got killed inside is that we, we could not stop Philly from getting to the rim and, and dominating the paint. Yes. Claxton was great, but, uh, I, I'm ranting right now. I, I, I understand wholeheartedly your point in terms of what we need, why Marks hasn't done it yet. It, it boggles my mind, but, uh, I, I digress. Uh, we, we can move on. <laughs> hey, Spen, let me No, I want to I want to jump in there with part of part of you ranting. And I'm glad you did yeah. rant. You said that we weren't stopping Philly inside and on the boards, right? Yes. In the playoffs. That included when Joel Embiid got injured and was gone. We still weren't. Paul, yeah. Paul Reed looked like a damn all star. <laughs> Double doubles. <laughs> That was without Joel Embiid. They were still dominating us on the inside. Yeah, I got a question. I got a question now. Who starts at the four? Opening day. Right now, Doe. Yeah. Current currently, Doe. Mm. Dodo does. Who starts at point guard? Then Woody. He he would have to. Mm-hmm. Because right. how 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 healthy has Ben going That's to be when the season starts? Mm. Your your guess is as good as mine. No one knows, right? They've been no, feeding they, us, right? They They've can project. Yeah, but they don't. They won't know that until he gets on the court. And there, there's one thing practicing in the summer, right? There's another thing actually playing in an NBA game. Because even as, as Paul George talked about on his, on his podcast today, we've all seen the workouts. Ben Simmons during the summer is doing things that you've not seen him do consistently in NBA games. Fadeaways, three-point shots, all this other stuff. He doesn't do that. He, he doesn't do that consistently in NBA games. So are we, are we look, that's that's a criticism I have of Sean Marks, man. It's too many maybes. I don't want to go into the season saying 
maybe this guy will be able to do whatever. I'd like to go on with some guarantees. I'm going to guarantee you that Mikael Bridges is going to be a 20 to 25 point scorer and play hellacious defense. We know that. We got too many maybes with, with other guys. So at hoping we're hoping that Ben Simmons is healthy and ready to go by opening night. But we don't know. Mm. My next, I'm going to say, uh, how do you feel about Nets fans, Nets Twitter in general? Are we overreacting too much to all the stuff that we're fed from, from the Nets? Or is it you know warranted considering all the stuff that we have been told? Oh, this guy's coming back. It's a ramp up. The ramp up becomes an extra month. It becomes an extra two months. And all the whole time we're just left wondering what's, what the hell's going on. Yeah, a, a lot of times, a lot of times we overreact. Uh, I would give a counter to that. Sometimes the overreactions or even the reactions are based on information that should have never been told to us to begin with. Mm. Like they, they volunteer certain information that don't tell us these things. If you, if you don't want us to overreact as a fan base, right, or react as a fan base, like, like me quoting Sean Marks and saying that, and, and this came from the coach, but when you say, when you say we're going to get bigger, nastier, bring in players who have that Brooklyn grit, you didn't have to tell us that. Of course, we're going to react because certain things you don't have to tell us. You can, you don't, look, you don't have to tell us we ran, that somebody's ramping up. Somebody will be back in a week. Somebody will be back in a month. You say, look, the person is progressing. They'll be back whenever the medical staff deems that they're ready to come back. I, I feel like it can be a game sometimes with, with Sean Marks and the way that he communicates with the fan base. I, I don't know if you feel differently, but, but, but I agree with you. Sometimes, you know, they give us this information, but they don't tell us the whole story. They give us pieces – and, and they leave, you know, some things out and it, and it makes Nets fans go crazy. And I don't know if that's a common sort of uh, theme with all fan bases or, or just with our fan bases. Like, how, are you familiar with, with any other fan bases? And if if the GM and the owner communicate with the fan base like, like Marks and Cy do with us? I, I'm familiar with quite a few other fan bases. I don't know another fan base where the owner is blocking uh, – countless people on Twitter, <laughs> which I think is hilarious all of it all of itself. And I, I don't I don't like giving the X credit, but a lot of times I don't even remember who their general manager is. You know why? Because he never talks. What when have you heard him talk? And I keep wanting to say Scott Perry, but I know it's not Scott I know Scott Perry is not the GM anymore. Is it Leon Rose? Leon Rose, yeah. Leon yeah. Rose is their, is their GM. Used to be, be an agent. When have you heard him talk? Never. Mm. Never. Your, your, your GM doesn't have to talk. And you don't, one thing you also don't hear about, you don't hear about them getting fined for him not talking, do you? So it's not a necessity that Sean has, does all of these pressers. He doesn't have to. And if the NBA gives them flack, you could just point the finger and say, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Right across the bridge, those guys ain't doing it either. 
Like, what, what are we doing? If we're going to be equitable, you if I have to do it, they have to do it too. That's a good point. And to kind of like carry on to that, uh, I, I was listening to well, one of the Nets Twitter spaces and you said something that was very, very interesting to me. You made a point of how the Nets front office, or maybe I misheard, maybe, uh, I don't know, but part of the office actually listens to the spaces and actually spends a lot of time looking at Nets fans' reactions on Twitter, kind of trying to uh, create the narrative or push a narrative in a certain direction. How, how real is that? And, you know, is Sean Marks on his phone two hours a day responding from a sock account? I don't, I don't know that, that it's him specifically, but I've talked to multiple assistant coaches who say they've been on spaces, say that they've been on, on Nets Twitter seeing what's going on. I've spoken to a number of people within the organization who have, said, who have been like, yo, it's funny the stuff y'all be saying, or look at this tweet or what have you. <laughs> they're they're very aware of what's going on and what's being said. V- very aware. To the effect that I've met certain people just walking around in Brooklyn or maybe at a Liberty game and I'll introduce myself and they'd be like, yeah, I know who you are. You're Jay from BK. And I'll be like, okay, nice to meet you. <laughs> That's hilarious. They, they pay attention to every space that goes on everyone not yo you know we we have uh we have hours a number of the number of people who have other different net spaces they pay attention to all of them that is that is crazy to hear yeah i mean i i hope they pay attention to all nets podcasts too right because uh because we're we're right up there they 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 pay attention to the podcast also. And it's it's easier, I'll say, for you all in the other podcast, because you, your stuff is recorded, it's not as if they have to be in there on real time. Right. Right. That makes sense. And listen, it's, it's got to be someone's job, I guess, for the Brooklyn Nets to take all this stuff in, right? And then report back to the front office if they if they hear anything or – or uh, I guess witness anything that that the Nets organization doesn't already know because you know occasionally players will hop in these spaces. You'll have sources hop in these spaces, so it's it's interesting. And uh, if you're not familiar, Jay from BK is 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 a big player in, in one of the biggest Nets spaces that's out there on Twitter. So join the next next Nets space. I used to join him all the time. I don't know why I stopped. Nothing really happened. I just I sort of forgot about him, but. I do want to I do want to start uh, start attending them again because they're really great. Now you know once the season starts, that's actually the best time the best time to join the net spaces. But uh, Jay, I did want to get to this segment before we do rapid fire. It's called "What Does Jay from BK Think?" So uh, I, I hope I didn't lose. There we go. We're back. Um, I'm just going to ask you three or four questions, and I just want to know your thoughts on on these individuals. Are you ready? Yeah, good. What does Jay from BK think of Jacques Vaughn? As a person, I love him. As a as a coach, the jury is still out. I, I'm I'm extremely excited that he was allowed. He is the first coach in the Sean Marks regime that was allowed to pick some of his own assistant coaches. 
So his success or failure can't be, the finger can't be pointed at anybody else. Right. Not too much because he picked a number of the guys that are around him. And I'll, I'll even say he, he kept on Trevor Hendry, who I thought one way about, and then I learned a lot more about. Trevor Hendry has been with the Nets since Billy King. Oh, wow. wow. He has worked his, he has worked his behind off. I, from my understanding, he's one of the first, if not the first in the building, one of the last, if not the last to leave, getting video ready, getting guys prepared, what have you. I, I like some of the names that, that Coach Vaughn has put around him. I really like Kevin Ollie. I really like Kevin Ollie. Kevin Ollie is going to be a head coach in NBA soon. I wish they had been able to keep Coach Smoke. Uh, and people hear me say that and don't know that's Royal Ivy. He's another up-and-coming name who I really wish they had kept him. But you you know how important he was because Coach Udoka wanted him. And right. I think Coach Udoka is one of the three best coaches in the NBA. A lot of people don't agree with me, but but I, I like what Coach Vaughn appears to be building, especially since a number of NBA players have admitted, and Spencer Dinwiddie admitted it about the Nets last year, that they don't practice. And when I say practice, they don't scrimmage against each other during the season. So there needs to be a focus on one-on-one development-type work for guys. And he has a number of development coaches on the staff who can take three or four guys, two or three guys, and work with them specifically on certain skills. And one guy that Coach Vaughn kept who has been phenomenal, and he, he worked with Clax from at least two years ago, Coach RFK, Coach Ryan Forehand Kelly. That guy's player development, if you go to any Nets games rather than home on the road, you'll see him on the court with guys before the games putting in a lot of development work. So I, I, I like Coach Vaughn, and I, I think I'm, I'm interested to see what he's going to do this season with his guys around him. That's a fair, that's a fair, uh, a fair answer. I know you were an Adoka guy. I wanted him as well. Um, but I, I, I think that, you know, and I, I follow you on Twitter, I think that you've, you've sort of given Vaughn a chance and – and what you've seen so far, you know, the jury's still out. But I, I agree. Whatever happens, it's going to be on him because he's had the autonomy to pick his staff. Uh, next up, I'm going to give you a choice, Jay. You can either tell me what you think of James Harden or Kevin Durant. Your call. I can I can do both. And I, Let's I, hear it. I'll, Let's hear it. I'll, I'll be quick with, with – I'm going to forever call him Twitter James, QJ. I went to the Utah the Utah Nets game in Utah two seasons ago when he was he sat out with a fictitious injury. And then and I, I say that because I, I usually go to at least five away games a season. But that no, nah, I go to more than that because that includes going to X games at the Garden. It includes going to the Philly games, right? But I like usually fly I usually go on two road trips. That was one of the road trips I went on. I went to Utah, and then I flew to, to Denver. Quitter James didn't play in the Utah game, and it was he was coming up with injuries that made no sense. 
And then instead of flying with the team to Denver, that man went to Las Vegas. And it's like, okay, look, man, you already know your name is big. Just tell them get you out of there. You don't have to do all of that side stuff. Like, and, and I'm big on karma. You know, some people talk about the basketball gods. I tell my sons this all the time. You can't cheat the game. James Harden likes to cheat the game. And it's come back to, to bite him. But, you know, he's not on the team anymore. I wish him no, no good things. Uh, he's a quitter. When it comes to KD, I appreciate everything he gave on the court. I think he's very entertaining on Twitter. A part of what, a part of, and I'll, I'll even give you give you a bonus. When you look at, and I usually don't say KD, I usually don't say James. I'm gonna even talk about Kyrie. The type of person that Kyrie is, you can see how personal he is and how much he attempts to bond with fans, right? KD is not that type of person at all. He likes to troll, and he's not personable like that. Even when you see him at games, he'll sign a lot of autographs, but in terms of being personal, he's not like that. I appreciate him, him going all out for the Brooklyn Nets, but there was, there was something that, that became obvious. I know they say it's, it's freak injuries. KD's not been healthy since when? Golden State? Yeah, since before that, uh, the, the year they lost to the Raptors in the finals. Right. So I'm not, and he's getting older. I'm not wishing injury on him. I like the Mikel Bridges trade because Mikel Bridges is younger and he's healthy. I don't know that KD will ever have a fully healthy season again. So yeah. he's a he's a phenomenal player, but health-wise, and I'm not putting anything on him, he's just not been healthy in a lot of years. I don't know that he's going to ever be healthy again. I mean, he was in Phoenix 10 minutes, and he slipped, and he messed up his ankle, and he was out for multiple <laughs> weeks. Like, who does that's, that's insane. I'm going to talk about the basketball gods. One of the best players in the league demands a trade to go play with Devin Booker and immediately gets hurt. I don't know. I don't. I don't believe in karma, but that was just a weird coincidence. Um, on the layup Jay, line. On the layup line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not even. In, we're not even talking the game. We're talking in the layup line. It's just. It's insane. Uh, the the last question in this segment. It's not an individual player question, but what does Jay from BK think of the Brooklyn Nets' chances of being competitive this year? What? I don't. As currently constructed. Yes. I I didn't what say do, winning. What do you? What do you com- right. what do you consider competitive? Probably a five to an eight seed would be competitive. Anything less than an eight seed, if you're a playing team, I don't think you're a competitive team. What do I think about us being competitive? As currently constructed, I think I think the best we would do would be a playing team. Wow. As okay. currently constructed. And and I say that because there's always certain levels of attrition in in the East and the West in certain teams that you think are going to be a guaranteed playoff team. They're not necessarily a guaranteed playoff team. But if I had to guess, I'll say I'm not going to take – I'm not going to say Philly because you don't know what Philly is going to be. But I can say I think Boston, 
Milwaukee, Miami, Cleveland, and even the X. Those five, I'm going to say I'm a guarantee they're going to be better than us. That's currently constructed. Some people would argue argue me down about that. And look, I don't believe in giving the X any credit for anything. That's why I call that's one of the reasons I call them the X. I'm always gonna call them the X. But I am almost positive those five teams will be better than them. That means at best we we number six. And that's if everything falls in into into place. That doesn't take into consideration other teams who had injury issues last year and and certain things may have not, you know, fallen the way that they that they should have fallen. I think Atlanta will probably be better than us. With a full year with Quinn Snyder as coach, not coming in in the, in the middle of the season as their coach. So I think the best that we can do would be, would be a playing team as currently constructed. Competitive, I expect guys to compete on a nightly basis just from the standpoint that some of the guys that we have, they're used to winning. That includes Mikel Bridges, Cam Johnson, they were both in the finals a couple years ago. Dodo and SD, they were both in the conference finals last year. Royce was with Utah, and Utah was competitive for a number of years. There are a number of guys who are used to making long playoff runs, so I expect for us to be competitive. Does that translate into wins? Nah, I don't I don't I don't see how it does. Are we like one or two injuries away from being a bottom five team in the lottery? I would I, I so. would hope I would I would hope not because we don't own our own draft pick this year. That's what scares me. <laughs> like scares me. we have no picks in this coming draft. First or second round. Yep. Only two first rounders in the next three years. And that's after next year. I think they have the Phoenix pick and our pick, I think, if I remember correct, something like that. But it's only two first rounders in the next three years, which is ridiculous. It doesn't benefit us to to semi-tank, per se. Yeah, I I don't think there's a single Nets fan out there that wants to see us uh, tank or, or be in the bottom five next year. So let's hope that this team plays to their potential. All right. We're going to finish the show with a rapid fire. So Jay, I got 10 questions. You can take your time with the answers, um, but they're, they're all relevant. They're all Nets related. Are you ready for rapid fire? Let's do it. Number one, favorite Nets player of all time. On the court or off the court? Uh, let's say both combination. Off the court, Spencer Dinwiddie. That's Pete's guy. My guy. And just just for if anyone hasn't heard before, when my son was, I believe, five, we were at practice in the park. He was one of the children. They brought a bunch of children down on the court to, like, stretch with the players. My son was too cool for school then. He's still too cool for school now <laughs> as a 10-year-old. And he did not want to do anything. Spencer Dinwiddie, and interestingly enough, Coach Vaughn also, they brought my son on the other side of the court. And they were like just doing stretching with him, like putting up shots, what have you. And it was a very personal moment that for me, a lot of times when people say I, I post bail for Kyrie because he's done things for my children also. 
or, or other players. Yeah, because for me, being a father trumps being a sports fan, and it always will. So off the court, Spencer Dinwiddie. On the court, as short-lived as it was, I'll say when I, when I, it changed. For a number of years, it was Kenyon Martin. And then I met him, and he's an asshole. So <laughs> it, could, it couldn't be him anymore. It, it turned into Kyrie Irving on the court because he's done things that I've never seen a Nets player do in a game, and that includes Vince Carter. Vince Carter, we all look forward to the dunks. Kyrie, you know how certain players always have like a signature move? What's Kyrie's signature move? You don't know what he's going to do when he has the ball. And he has so many things. I was one of the trips I took this year was to Toronto. And I was recording when he hit the game winner. And it was electric. I was in the building when he did the putback dunk. Barclays Center has not been that loud in a very long time. He he did some things that first game against Minnesota when he scored 50, even though we lost. He's done some things that I'm like, I wish it had translated different. And a number of things had gone differently in terms of what he did, what the organization did. And he could have brought us a championship. But for skill on the court, I've not seen a player like him in a Nets uniform. All right. So Dinwiddie off the court, Kyrie on the court. Number two, Jay, what is your favorite food at Barclays Stadium? Wow. Uh, <clears throat> downstairs, I would say, and I, when I say downstairs, I mean in the Qatar club, probably sushi. Okay. Upstairs, wow, they've changed the food so much. Let me think <laughs> of something. There's a, there's a spot outside of Section 3 that has lobster rolls oh my god really they got lobster rolls at Barclays? they have lobster rolls and they have some they have lobster rolls they have clobster rolls they call oh. it which is snow crab and lobster roll and it's on it's on buttery buttery rolls it's warm that for me is 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 top notch all right, sushi and clobster rolls. That's a solid answer. Number three, Jay, who is your favorite Nets head coach of all time? Wow. Favorite Nets head coach of all time. I get – I'm going to give you a least favorite also. My favorite Nets Nets head coach of all time, seriously, and he doesn't get the respect that I think he deserves or earned, was P.J. Carlissimo. He took over the team at a very at a very bad time, and he willed us to one of our best seasons ever, and he wasn't even considered for the head coaching position after that. So I, I like what he did in spite of the obstacles that that were placed in front of them and my least head coach of all time is lawrence frank man and one of the things i can't stand rob thorn about is that he fired that man the game before he knew he was going to break the record for most losses 
I thought Lawrence Frank was a horrible coach. Lawrence Frank, and it's funny where y'all talk about Twitter and them listening to Twitter. They used to, back in the New Jersey days, they used to have talks with the GM before the game. Like they would invite the fans, season ticket holders, before the game to talk with the GM. And I told Rod Thorne before one of the games, I said, you all tout Lawrence Frank as if he's some genius. I said, every game at halftime, the team doesn't come out until about two minutes left before halftime is over. And you wonder why we come out at halftime and we and we look like shit in the third quarter. The very next game, they were out with about seven, eight minutes to go. They were paying attention then. They still pay attention now. That is. But wild. I love I love PJ Carlissimo, man, and I, I think he's very underrated and not talked about enough. All right, fair enough. Number four, favorite Nets moment of all time. You named a few good ones earlier. What is your all-time favorite Nets moment? Wow. Wow. Man, and this this is how you know these questions aren't known beforehand. Like, you didn't email <laughs> me or message me the questions. No, this is, man, this is, is straight a- – we, we want it off the dome, Jay. They were never going to give any of our guests the questions beforehand, ever. Wow. Favorite Nets moment of all time. I'll, I'll say, for sentimental reasons, game seven against Milwaukee, even though we did not win. I had surgery the day before. Yeah, I had surgery the day before. And my doctor said that I should not I, – I could go to the game, you know, but be careful, basically. I took my whole family to the game. And the excitement that we all had when KD hit that what would have been three that wasn't a three, we were all just next level excited. Yeah. And and to have to have my family there with me was was that was something that that was really special. That, that's not a bad moment. I think mine is two games earlier, game five, uh, when, when KD single handedly, not single handedly with the help of Jeff Green, but when he when he beat Milwaukee, that was one of the most insane performances I've ever seen. Um, number six, name something about Sean Marks that you like. Something about Sean Marks that I like. I can name a few things about Sean Marks that I like. Right. I, I like that he's found some diamonds in the rough when, when we were a team that was going nowhere. And, and, and he, he was able to, to turn that around. I think that part is worn off, and I, you know, it's, it's the NBA is a Janet. It should be a Janet Jackson type league. What have you done for me lately? Uh, I also like that. I like the opportunity, even though I don't like the idea of, of adding Adam Caporn. I like the opportunity that he gives to to G League coaches to break into the NBA. I think sometimes all what guys need is an in in order to get their career going. And so the G League being a pipeline for the coaching staff to actually get their their foot into the door, I think that's very important. I like that he's given Jeff Peterson an opportunity also. 
Jeff Peterson is is a large unknown outside of NBA circles assistant GM who I think is going to be a phenomenal general manager in this league. Uh, and I also like years ago, I like that. I like the, the emphasis that he puts on family in terms of with the players. A lot of people don't know this, but the Nets have it where for everybody who has young children, they have babysitters and what have you in the arena. So wow. if the wife or the girlfriend wants to watch the game, someone watches the player's children while they're able to sit out there and watch the game without having to worry about what is my three-year-old or what is my five-year-old. I got to keep them occupied. They don't do that. They actually provide sitters in the arena. They take them somewhere undisclosed, you know, and allow them to just, you know, be there as an adult, if they want to have a beverage, let them have a beverage. But I like that he puts the emphasis on family. And he even has some family trips that, that people are able to bring their family on trips. So I, I, I love that he puts an emphasis on family also, which that used to be a big part of the culture that they talked about, his emphasis on family. All right. That's high praise. Some nice things about Sean Marks. If you Absolutely. can have any any player in the NBA on the Nets, who would it be? And I change their contract, or or as is with the contract. You can change the contract. Just just someone you would just love to see in a Brooklyn Nets uniform. Could be again. People are gonna hate me for this, and and I don't care. I'd really love to have Paul Anthony Towns on the Brooklyn Nets. Okay. Any any specific and reason or just from a basketball fit? From a basketball fit, because going going towards what you said in terms of we've had some trash power forwards since Kenyon Martin. We coming up on damn near 20 years, man. It's been over 15 years since we had a real power forward on the team. He's able to be a power forward and center. He can shoot. And I, I think for me, a lot of people are not familiar with Big Cat, his father. And Paul Anthony Towns grew up an X fan. I don't hold that against him. He also grew up a Yankees fan. I don't hold that against him either. I think that if he was closer to his father and home, I think that would allow him to take his game to another level. And I think he would be the best power forward that we've had since Kenyon Martin. I was uh, I was adamant a few weeks ago when when the offseason started about moves the Nets should make, and, and Pete can back me on this. I, I wanted the Nets to make a move for Carl Anthony Towns. I, I still do. I think he just completes the the roster so well. If I mean, look, I I think if you're able to move Ben Simmons or, or keep whatever whatever you do, he gives you another guy that can space the floor. He would work so perfectly with Mikhail and Cam Johnson. He'd do a lot of uh, dribble handoff action with Mikhail. He comes off the ball great. Um, I, I think I think Cat would be an excellent fit in Brooklyn. Uh, I 100% agree with you. And he'd be the first guy in a while to help Claxton on the boards. Um, all right, a few more questions here. Number seven. This is kind of a, an interesting. This is one of those like philosophical questions. Are you glad we went through the big three era? Or do you wish we had never gone down that route in the first place? 
No, I'm glad we went through it. I, I'm a I'm a I'm a gambler. So right. whether I'm in Vegas and I can't stand gambling in in Atlantic City, man, they got some crooked crooked tables down there. But I'm a gambler, <laughs> man. I don't yo, I don't it's something I tell people a lot, Pete. I don't know your relationship status, right? Not inquiring either. But we know Spen is married, right? I believe in shooting your shot. I'm a firm believer in shooting your shot because, and I don't remember which athlete said this, but you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. I would rather shoot my shot and strike out than not shoot my shot and wonder what could have been. I'm not one of these nostalgic, we should have kept the 2018, 2019 team together and seen how high we could go with them. No, you you take Kyrie, you take KD, you trade for James and see what you can do. It didn't work out, that's fine. I'd rather, look, I'm not one of these people who, who love the nostalgia and I'd rather lose and be proud of the team that's on the court and playing hard. Hell no. I want a team that's a championship contender. And those teams were championship contenders. It just didn't work out. What, what, what do they say? It is better to have loved and lost than to not loved at all. And and I think yeah. if you don't go that route with, with KD and at least try with, with Kyrie and Harden, it's almost like you never gave it a shot. I, I agree. All right. Three more questions. What is your favorite move of the offseason for the Brooklyn Nets so far? This could include any draft picks, any signings, any trades. My favorite move, and this is from a number of conversations. Look, people are going to want me to say my favorite move is trading Patrick. While I love that move, (laughs) it's not my favorite move. My favorite move was drafting DW. I think DW is going to be a stud. He's putting in, from my understanding, he's been putting in a lot of work to the best of his ability in the offseason. They have him on different training programs while he's rehabbing his foot to get ready. I think he is going to be a complete stud once he's healed. And there's no way he would have fallen to us if he was healthy. He would have been a high lottery pick. So that's my favorite move. All right. I like that answer. I I watched some of Dariq Whitehead's highlights. He looks like the real deal. I'm excited for him to get healthy. Uh, I, I, I like the strategy that Marks took at point guard, right? You have Dinwiddie, you have Ben Simmons, you have Cam Thomas lurking, and then you have the, this guy from Duke in DW who's eventually going to be healthy, and, and no matter what, you're going to have options in the future for the point guard position. Um, all right, well, he's question not a point number guard. He's not a point guard. I thought he was – he's not – what is he, a uh, small forward? He's, he's a 2-3. Two, he's a 2-3. He can, two, three. He can shoot. Reek oh. can shoot. DW yeah, can shoot. That's why I, I saw he was a great three-point shooter in college, but I thought for some reason he was listed as a point guard. No, he's not a point. All right. All right. Wait. Well. Number nine, yes or no question. Is Mikhail Bridges an all-star next season? Yes. 
All right, there you have it. And then the final question, this is actually, this is the question I'm most proud of on this sheet. What makes Nets fans better than X fans? We're not as delusional. I, I think that's the main thing. I I relate X fans to, and I'll I'll call them this, even though I don't usually call them this. I relate them to Dallas Cowboys fans. They are the most delusional fans that I've seen in the NBA. They think when they after they beat us, I would I would be in their spaces all the time. These people are talking about they going to the finals. They don't see a team in the East that can stop them. Uh, Jalen Brunson was all NBA. Emmanuel Quickly was better than Tyrese Maxey. Julius Randle was, I forgot who the hell they said he was better than. They, they were, I'm talking about, they were talking themselves into being in the championship and they were trying to figure out what team from the West they were going to play. They are so delusional. And I think a number, we the, Net, the Nets have a bunch of delusional fans. They don't reach that level of delusion. And, so, and a number of people love trolling also. So, you know, but the X fans, they not trolling. They really believe this. And, and I think that's, I think that's one of the things that separates, separates us. I think a number of things that separates us is that I think Nets fans, especially fans who were fans when, when the team was in Jersey, I think they take more pride in the team's history than X fans do. I don't think X fans take pride in their history. And one of the reasons why I say that is because most of the X fans that I hear talking about the team when it relates to their history, they never bring up Bernard King. They never bring up who I would argue is the greatest player in, in the franchise's history, partially, and he's really the only only X player that I respect. Captain Willis Reed, he went to my alma mater. We both went to Grambling State University. They, a lot of their fans have no reverence to certain legends from their past. We, as a fan base, we have reverence for and I'm not talking about his off-the-court stuff because I'm not a fan. We have reverence for Jason Kidd. Right. A lot of us, we even overlook his migraines. We have reverence for Kenyon Martin. We have reverence for Derek Holman. We have reverence for Kenny Anderson. We have reverence for, for, for Buck Williams. Players from the team's history that I don't see a lot of X fans having the same reverence for. I'll tie in something to that. That's one of the criticisms that I will say about Sean Marks. I don't think he gives a lot of the old players the love that they deserve in yep. terms of bringing them back and incorporating them, relating them to the younger guys that we have on the team. Create that bond. Build that gap. Yes, we see Kerry Kittles. Yes, we see... Uh, uh, Rich, Rich, Richard Jefferson calls the game, so he, he's always right. there. Right. He calls the games, but he's not he's not as incorporated with, with the players as as I think he should be. Right. And I, I would hope that 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 they would do more of that. Get somebody to 
pull Cam Thomas to the side and, and bring him under their wing. Some of the, the younger rookies and teach them about, about, you know, about the Nets history. All right. That was, that was, that was a few good reasons why Nets fans are better than X fans. Jay, we thank you so much for, for coming on the show. Is there anybody or any organization, anything you would like to shout out before we wrap up? Shout out you all. Fireside, y'all been doing great, man. It's so many, it's so many Nets podcasts. Let's go, Pete. Yo, you you're a welcome addition, man. You are Thank welcome you, for a full time addition. Thank I, you. I would tell you, man. You all, when I'm able to to pop on your podcast, I've always entertained. I keep doing keep doing y'all thing. Uh, for everybody who has a Nets podcast, keep doing your thing. Everybody who has spaces. Keep doing your thing. Look, at, at the beginning of the day, in the middle of the day, at the end of the day, a lot of us are giving our opinions. It doesn't make anybody's opinion better than somebody else's. And I, I really wish Nets fans would, would learn to be a little bit more civil with each other. Because some some of y'all take it too far, man. And that, yeah. that attempt at, at bullying other fans, come on, man. Can y'all stop? It's It's... it's and I'll say this, there are some grown-ups in the Nets community who don't want to do the high school games and who has smoke for who off of Twitter and off of social media. Nah, man, some of us have, have wives and families, man. We grown-ups. If we disagree on something, cool. We don't have to agree on everything. I don't agree with myself on everything. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, but nah, shout out, shout out to everybody that's a Nets fan. Shout out to, to the Nets players, coaching staff, even shout out to the front office. Hopefully we're, we're building something that will result in the championship sometime in the near future. All right. There you heard it, Jay from BK. Thank you again for coming on the show. And thanks to everyone for listening to another edition of Fireside Nets brought to you by Empire Sports Media. I'm Spen. He's Pete. Tune in next week. And as always, Catch you on the fire side.